When I was in college, I went to business school for undergrad. And at that business school, a group of people who I am still very fond of today gathered together. What brought us together? The fact that we were all minorities. We lovingly referred to ourselves as the minority corner and relied on each other like hell to get through business school. We were the most polished, the most put together group of minorities at business school there was. And to this day, these are my first calls when trying to navigate the corporate world. Recently, I called my girl Vanessa. Shout out to all the lady finance majors, and I know she's a listener of this podcast. And chatted with her about a recent scenario at work. I didn't know how to navigate it. I needed to manage someone up who wasn't carrying their load. And I had no idea how to talk to my manager about it. We strategized. She let me vent. We went back and forth. And as always, she helped me get through it. If you didn't grow up around corporate America, or maybe didn't even really know that you would end up in like a professional environment, it can be hard to navigate the known and unknown as a woman in corporate America. Knowing how to make job transitions, having good relationships, dealing with complicated situations at work, and it only gets more complex if you're a woman of color. These are all really difficult things, and that's really not fine, is it? Hey, I'm Rachel, and this is the It's Fine Podcast. Today, I'm talking to Kendall Berg, that career coach. She has been coaching for over six years with a passion for transforming insecurity into stability and confidence. On this episode, we'll talk about what the corporate game is and how to play it, why building relationships are so critical to success at work, how to navigate difficult relationships and promotions in the workplace, and how to get value out of your work. I have been in the corporate world for a significant amount of time, and I'm really excited for you to hear both what Kendall and I have learned in the workplace. Are you ready? Let's get into it. I have been working in corporate America for a while now. It's been about like 10 plus years at this point. I had no idea that like the work that I was doing was going to be measured with so many levers. It's a big culture shock when you're thinking like, oh, well, if I just show up every day to my job and I do what I'm told, right? Like I will get promoted. I will make more money. I will do all those things. But there's so many little underlying things, right? And I think particularly when it comes to the relationship component. And there's a lot of things that are all at play simultaneously. And I think that this is where I see so many people get really stuck is, but I did everything you told me to do. There is part of the job that is your job, right? Doing the core work, coming in, showing up on time, completing your tasks, going home. But the game is really everything else. It's all of those interpersonal connections, the networking, how do you advocate for yourself, sell your position, and how do you do it in a way that doesn't leave you feeling icky at the end of the day and you're able to retain your authenticity and your sense of self. I always equate it almost to a video game. As you level up, the bosses get harder and harder and you have to learn how to play each level individually so that you can continue to progress and you can make it all the way to the finish line. Totally. I think it's a little bit of like gassing yourself up, right? Which like... I know coming from like a like immigrant community and like even just like growing up as a woman, like I don't think it's a, it's common for women to feel comfortable to like ask yourself about tell that story. Right. And like that's something I definitely had to overcome over the years. I definitely struggle with the authenticity part of this because I wouldn't consider myself someone who likes to brag about myself. But you need to switch it up a little bit when you're approaching your work, right? 
I totally feel that with your manager and like even in like your community of people you work with, you just have to constantly be reminding people of the work that you're doing, the inputs and outputs of that work. Right. So like to give an example, like thinking about like how are you impacting like the bottom line and, and paying attention, honestly, because like if you're in like a corporate environment or in a work environment, you're going to hear like the KPIs and metrics, right, that other people are thinking of and how can you apply those metrics to the work that you're doing, right? Like you might be, you know, writing emails. How are the emails that you're doing driving, you know, sales goals or how are they helping bring in new patients? That's important, right, to like the larger picture, right? And so if you want to get ahead, it's super important to be able to kind of take into account like what is everyone else talking about and making sure that you kind of pay attention to those things and really tell your story the way you want to. I think that that's Oh, God, easier said than done, quite frankly. I feel like that's a skill that you build over time. But like, I love the way you said it. Like, it's a little bit of like, how do you learn to pitch yourself in the workplace and almost like separate yourself from like, you know, which I'm struggling with. I'm not going to lie, Kendall. I'm curious how you would manage this. Like, I'm like, how do you separate your authentic self, right? Who might not, this might not come naturally to you, right? To this piece of yourself. Like, part of me is just like, it is the game. Like, I just have to do it. So like, put it aside. But I'm sure it's not always it's simple, right? And like, I will say I'm a little bit more seasoned in my career. So like, I kind of like feel like I've just accepted it as the reality. People have this gut reaction to like, I don't want to be the sleazy car guy selling you on why I'm so great. But you have to be to an extent. And there's a way to do that effectively. Like I had mentioned earlier, without cutting into your authenticity and your sense of self and who you are. There's a way to do that within your own personality bounds, whether you are an introvert or an extrovert. I also see a lot of people get stuck because they don't know what to say. And they feel like, do I just go to my boss and say, I did work? And it doesn't matter how great of a boss you have. They have a whole host of other things that they're trying to manage. Like They're generally just not aware of everything that you're doing. And even more importantly, they can't on your behalf, articulate the value that you bring. Like You have to sell that to them so that they can then take that onto their leaders. And then the third thing I see is I feel like a lot of people growing up were brought up in this academic mindset. I'm taught the lesson. I do the homework. I take the test. A, or in my case, B, depends on what it is, right? But you get into this rigor of, okay, I'm given an assignment. I'm taught how to do it. I execute that thing done. But where academia and corporate differ is that once the work is done, you're not done. There's all of this extra self-advocacy, the sales pitching of who you are and why you're valuable to the organization. I always joke, you can hire pretty much anybody and teach them to do pretty much anything to certain level of expertise. But what makes you valuable as an individual is the personality, the articulation, the communication that you bring to that role that somebody else couldn't. I was imagining like Rihanna on tour. You gotta put on like your red, your red ensemble and you gotta like yeah. stick out a little bit, you know? And like, yeah. especially if your desire is to maybe move into a more senior role or you wanna move up in the company, right? Like consider how valuable it is to be able to articulate effectively the value that you provide to your organization, right? I want to ask Kendall, just kind of, you know, while we're trying to articulate the, you know, the incredible work that we do, right? How does the game impact our relationships internally, right? Especially if we're like struggling to make relationships 
in the workplace, right? Like how valuable are those relationships in the corporate game and how can we leverage them in our favor? So something that I share with my audience, because I feel like it should be talked about a thousand times more than it actually is, is the way the promotions and career progression actually work. So until you hold a more senior position, you're generally left out of those conversations. And so to you, you're like, my boss just has to tell them it's time for me. <laughs> but the way that it actually works, and this is most companies, obviously not 100% of the time, but they'll do a competency analysis and they'll bring in everybody's year-end reviews and say Kendall and Rachel are both up for promotion at the same time. They will sit all of the senior leaders in the room and go, okay, who knows Kendall? Raise your hand. And hands will go up. And they'll say, okay, does anybody disagree with Kendall's promotion? And if any hands stay up, they go, okay, why do you disagree? Well, I worked with her on this project and I felt like she didn't really have a great strategic mindset. She's not really ready for this level. And then they go to Rachel and they say, okay, who knows Rachel? And if nobody's hands go up, they may say, okay, Rachel's not ready. She doesn't have enough support in this room from the people who need to make this decision. So it's not just about your manager putting the promotion on the table. You have to have representation from every possible leader who could sit in that meeting. And you have to have that stakeholder management, right? If you make a mistake, do you own it in such a way where that person would still be willing to advocate for you when your end promotion comes around? And it is the real root of the game. Because if promotions just happened because your boss said you were ready, there's no need to network or build those relationships or sell your value or sell your impact. But to get all those people who are sit in the room, whether that's at the senior manager level, the director level, the executive level, you have to have enough people who can speak to your value in that space to get you what you want. And so I think that's behind the curtain of how the game really is working once you're out of the room is now all these people deliberate. I am a bit more social. So like this comes a little bit more naturally to be able to like have these types of relationships and really think about it. But I think throughout my journey as a professional, the most valuable thing I've had is people who will vouch for me and support me, right? And really yeah. being intentional about how I build those relationships. And again, I know this can probably feel a little inauthentic, right? But I think it's it's good to think about like, how do you connect to other people in the workplace who can be advocates for you, right? So like, if you're a woman of color, are there other women of color leaders that you want to learn from, right? Are there women who are interested in projects that you're interested in or in verticals that you're interested in, right? Like, how can you build those relationships, right? It almost feels like the same way I would imagine dating. And I just actually did an episode on dating. So that's fun. But I would say it's like that same level of like putting yourself out there to just learn from people. And like, I always joke about this when people are, you know, informational interviewing, looking for a new job, but like the value of just asking somebody about what they do and wanting to learn from them, like no one will say no to you. Literally yeah. no one, because people love to talk about themselves. They love to impart their lovely wisdom. And like sometimes yes, their wisdom 100%. is super valuable, you know, and like why not, you know, one, use that as an opportunity to learn from somebody who might have more experience, but also build a connection, a relationship, right? And like, who knows where that can go, right? Like if an opening on a team, on their their team opens up, right? Like 100%. That's an opportunity. It's a common misconception, I think, that the corporate world caters exclusively to the extrovert who's comfortable in those situations. Now, I have ADHD. 
I have high anxiety. I would say I'm an extrovert by force, but I'm an introvert by choice. If I can sit and read my book and knit in a corner of a room where no one talks to me, I will take it 10 times out of 10. But there's a difference between that and the intentionality of your time. And this is where I feel people get lost is they're afraid to reach out because what if they don't have time? What if they reject me? What if we don't have anything to talk about? But even just spending 15 minutes, hey, tell me about your team and your goals for this year. To your point, people love to talk about themselves. Absolutely love it. There is nothing people enjoy more than talking about themselves. And if you give them a 15-minute window to do that, nine times out of 10, they're going to take you up on that and it's going to be a really good conversation. The other thing that I would touch on just for natural introverts and neurodivergence is playing to the times where you feel most comfortable. So most people are generally a morning person, an afternoon or an evening. If you're a morning person, schedule those uncomfortable meetings first thing in the day. Get them out of the way. Use your high energy levels optimally. If you're an afternoon people, make sure they're there. Because I can tell you, if somebody schedules a meeting with me at 2 o'clock, they are not getting the best me. That is not my prime time. (laughs) So if it's especially a first-time meet and greet, I want to schedule those earlier in the day where I'm at my high energy levels. And so playing to some of those just self-knowledge and awareness things will also make it a little bit easier to bring your authentic self to those conversations and feel a little bit less like game playing and a little bit more like a conversation. Kendall, I have a question about how do you navigate difficult relationships at work? Let's say like, you know, I don't get along with somebody or like somebody else is taking credit for my work, right? My friend and I were talking about this because it's something that I've navigated, you know, in my career. And we were laughing about how, you know, at school, in college, like we would do group projects, right? And then you would have the one person who doesn't contribute to the group project at all, right? And so you're either going to like call them out, right? Or you're going to do all the work. And I was totally the person who did all the work and they all got a good grade and it was all awesome, right? And like that has been the story of my life. In the workplace, you know, you don't get the same level of credit if you're the one who does all the work and it doesn't actually even serve you right from like a optics and, you know, navigating the workplace, if you just do all the work and let someone else take credit for your work. So how do you navigate the interpersonal relationships, whether that be on your team or maybe like with managers or others who are, you know, difficult to work with and who are not necessarily helping you win this corporate game? So I am first and foremost a believer in repairing interpersonal relationships first. So if there is an opportunity to repair, which there isn't always. So my large caveat here is some people just don't want to play nice. And there's a different strategy we'll talk about for that. But for the individual who it may genuinely just be a miscommunication, it may genuinely just be that you have different priorities that are chafing against one another. I will always start with a one-on-one. Rachel, I've noticed you and I are working together on a lot of projects recently, and I want to make sure that I'm being as an effective and a partner for you as possible. Are there ways you prefer to receive communication from me? Are there certain ceremonies we should set up where we meet at a certain cadence? I want to make sure that I'm the best partner possible for you. With most people, they'll jump on that opportunity. Yeah. I have noticed in meetings, sometimes you ask a lot of questions. I hate that. You know, sometimes it'll be almost a venting session, but it at least gives you the context for why does this issue exist? And you can work through and come up with problems, to ways to solve the problem. 
Now, if they are not open to that conversation and you get an answer that says, no, everything's fine, we're going to go the other route. (laughs) And in that case, I am a big fan of FYIs and CYAs. So what I mean by that is if you know you are working with an individual who is going to be toxic to you, difficult to work with, you're going to first, FYI, you're going to inform. And this could be reaching out to your boss. Hey, I just had a call with Rachel, really productive session that we had. I did make some recommendations for changing the project roadmap. I think she was really receptive to it, but wanted to get it on your radar. That's your FYI. That way, if Rachel, clearly one by another name, comes around the corner and says, Kendall's not being an effective partner. She won't meet with me. And it gets back to your boss. Your boss already knows. Yeah. Right. Your boss has been covered. They are informed and they're sitting there thinking, Kendall told me she gave you some recommendations. Did you put them into place? Did you circle it back? So you've now protected yourself a little bit. The second piece of this is the CYA, the cover your cover your dollar sign, dollar sign. Yes. And that is going to be more with the broader group, right? Which is there should be meeting minutes after every meeting where you and this person take place. Hey, just following up, the topic that we discussed was this. Sally has agreed to do this. Rachel's going to be taking this away. Kendall's going to be doing this. And we're going to reconvene on this date. Please reach out if you have any questions. And that's going to go to everybody involved and possibly managers where appropriate. And that's the strategy for somebody who's going to be really difficult to work with. Because what this does is, from an optics perspective, ensures that your great work still gets recognized. It's still seen. I attended the meeting. Here's the meeting minutes. Here's who's doing what. And it also allows you that if that person does not deliver on what they're expected to, there's documentation, there was clear communication, there was follow-up. And so you're much more isolated and protected from the backlash from that. The most common mistake I see people make is they have these really good conversations, nothing is written down, somebody doesn't deliver, and then who's on the chopping block for that? It's whoever has the weakest relationships in the group because in the end, it's going to come down to a battle of who knows who and who can get their point across first. And so it's so much better to FYI, CYA, and be prepared. Yo, the most important thing that I learned in my corporate life is document everything. (laughs) Yes. Like, if there is anything that you take away from this conversation, please document every conversation Every weird thing that happens, like, not just for you, right? Because I absolutely love, like, I have never heard those acronyms before. And I think those were awesome because (laughs) being able to, like, pull up receipt, pull up email, pull up chat thread, pull up meeting notes from conversations, right? And be able to have that historical record of the things that have gone down between you and another employee or even, like, a bad manager, right? Like, yes. People need evidence to be able to like help you navigate those things. And so if you are just consciously aware of like the things that are going on and are able to like Kendall's point, share them with your manager, share them with HR, be able to kind of tell that story. It only will help things move smoothly and more swiftly if you have that kind of thing. Right. And like, look, I don't think enough people hear that. Like, Absolutely. I need a document and like just keep a folder, keep a Google Drive, have those screenshots, have those emails, right? Because they are the thing that when your manager or an HR person 
needs that information, they're going to grab that information and they're going to use it. So trust and believe it. It will be so invaluable to you if you're navigating a difficult relationship at work. Even something so simple as sending out a meeting minute, as documenting what happened, as sending out an email recap, they really do hold so much weight and hold so much water. And you hope you never find yourself in an HR situation. But if you do, you want to make sure that you've got all of that tied up with a pretty bow that you can just present and say, hey, here's all of the evidence for why I feel this way. Now you feel empowered to do your job and to investigate. I also tried to document for my review cycles and like, you know, being able to tell the story of what happened. Right. Because like, OK, I have a yearly review cycle. So like we're looking at, you know, a 365. OK, so when you're looking at 365, like I don't remember what happened yesterday, let alone, you know, what happened in January come December 2023. Right. So like it is in your best interest to kind of like, you know, create some type of spreadsheet, create some kind of document. Right. Where you're just like putting in your accomplishments, putting in like information, right? So that way you can always go back and reference it, right? And so if you're interested in like a promotion or moving up or even like getting more income, right? Like getting a raise, right? Like these are the little, you know, tidbits that you'll use to help yeah. inform it. And like, hopefully that'll be a lot easier for you because you have already documented and collected all those things, right? And building on that to our conversation earlier about introverts or people who may not feel as comfortable walking into a space and talking about themselves, one of the things that I advocate for so heavily with my clients is if you have a tracker, you should be sharing it. Hey, here's what I've done so far this week in an email, right? It doesn't always have to be a conversation where you wax poetic about your brilliance and your contributions <laughs> to society. It can be just a list. Hey, here's everything that I'm working on. Here's the status. Here's where I need you to escalate. Here's the impact this is going to have when it's done. Wanted to get this back up on your radar that you share biweekly, monthly, quarterly, whatever the right cadence is. Because it will serve you when your year-end evaluation comes or your mid-year evaluation to say, hey, here's all of the things I've shared with you via email. Here's all the things we've talked about in our one-on-ones. Here it is consolidated in a way that's very easy to digest. I want you to be aware that this is what's going on in my space. And so it is also helpful for those people who may not feel as confident walking into a room and just saying, I deserve a promotion. Here's why I've delivered this great work. You can do those periodic updates so that everybody feels in the loop and your manager feels aware of what's happening in your space. It's just yeah. being mindful of like keeping those records and really being like your best advocate, your salesperson, right? Mm -hmm. Like your promoter, right? Think of yourself as your own hype person in the workplace, right? Kendall, I'm curious, like what do you think is at risk if someone is scared or uncomfortable with playing the corporate game? There are so many drawbacks to not being intentional with how you interact, right? So yes, that is playing the game and building these interpersonal relationships and advocating for yourself and tracking the things that you do. And in the absence of that, the issues that I most commonly see is A, people get stuck. I've reached this level. Now I can't move up even though I want to. Mm -hmm. B, people get moved a lot. So getting moved in your company can be a really good thing if you're being moved because you have a really great skill set and they want to utilize it in different spaces. can also be a really challenging thing if they keep moving you very often and you don't have managerial support for yourself, especially if you're not building network relationships ahead of time. And I also see that people really just get burnt out because you can only work so hard with no recognition or for you're thinking to yourself, what have I done with my life? When people, whether from ignorance or inactivity, don't lean into 
playing the game well, they will get stuck, they will burn out, or they will just end up in a position where they can't advocate for themselves, which is the worst case, right? And so many of my clients come to me right on the border of these things. I've been stuck in a job so long, I can't move up. Or, hey, I'm really worried that like I'm going to get fired because I've been skating by for so long and I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And it'll hold you back and it'll just leave you dissatisfied. What do you think satisfaction in the workplace looks like, you know, across your clients? Like when you know a client is really feeling good about their work and being in that corporate environment, what did it look like to you? Yeah, and a lot of that is dependent personality-wise. But for the most part, it is a lot like dating. You want to receive your love language back, right? So for some of my clients, finding satisfaction at work might mean you've built up a team that is helping you with acts of service across the organization. It might mean that you're getting words of affirmation from your leadership to let you know that you're doing a good job. I would hope it's not physical touch. We're just going to omit that one for the sake of conversation. You should never be receiving that at work. If you are, talk to HR. <laughs> but for the most part, so much of satisfaction in your job, so much of satisfaction in your life is by feeling that you are receiving what you need, right? And for a lot of people, that is some version of their love language. The other thing that I would say is that the value the company brings has to weigh and offset the cost. So if you work for a company that has great benefits, great 401k, great pay, but you hate every single day of going to work because your coworkers are absolutely insane, that value may not offset that cost, sure. right? Or vice versa. You could have great coworkers who you absolutely love working with, but if the company is not compensating you, not providing value, not providing benefits, that value may not outweigh that cost. And so being able to assess, is the company the right fit? In addition to, is the role the right fit? It's going to help you find that satisfaction as well. Throughout my career, I think there's one thing that's always stuck out to me is like, is this job serving me, right? Because uh -huh. at the end of the day, you know, to your point, we spend 40, 50 hours, sometimes more, right, at work. And if it's not serving me, if I'm not getting what I need, and I think this is a question of like, do you know what you really need from work, right? For some people, it's okay to go to work and collect a paycheck and, you know, do like, you know, I'm going to say the minimum. That's not, I don't mean that in a negative way, right? But like, do your work and come back. But like, that income allows you to be able to have flexibility, allows you to be able to take care of your family. Like, that's valuable. Like, I know I'm in a stage in my life where like the benefits, right? Like I am undergoing fertility treatment. There are things that I was looking for, right? That I needed from my employer, which meant that I needed to really think about like, okay, well, will this employer offer me the benefits that I'm looking for and the ability to transition into the next stage of my life, right? And so yeah. at the end of the day, work, corporate game, all of this, right? It all comes down to like, what do you, what do you need? What do you want, yes. right? And if you are able to know that, and if you're able to kind of walk with that authority, you'll find a way to navigate all this stuff, right? This is like a theme throughout the podcast, y'all. Pay attention to like what you need as an individual and knowing those things will help influence the way that you appear in work and whether or not work is valuable to you, right? And it'll also make yes. it hopefully easier to know when a work environment isn't conducive for you. Yeah. One of the first things that I always do with clients, and I'm going to recommend this to anybody who's listening, is I make six passion statements. So the first three are passion statements about working. 
What makes you feel fulfilled? What do you like? These are not work tasks. And for example, my three are, I like to have a broad scope and be able to influence lots of areas. I like to be able to see the results of my efforts directly. And I like to manage and develop people. There are a million jobs where I can do those three things, right? They don't, they're not specific to industry or role, but these are the things I'm passionate about. And then do the same thing for a company. I'm passionate about a company that is mid-size. For me, I work best in that like small to mid, not too small, not too large kind of company size. I'm passionate about a company that is willing to invest in its employees, mm-hmm. whether that is time, that is money, that is mentorship. And I'm passionate about a company that allows people to define the scope of their roles and will play to the strengths of that individual. For me, those are my three passions for a company. And if you can define those, then I love what you said about walking in with authority. You'll never take a job that's not going to be the right fit if you know that a company has those six things and that it's going to fit your six passions. You will always feel like you're driven in the right direction. Now, you could end up with a terrible manager. You could end up with a company that's very great at being interviewed and not so great at follow through. There are still things that can happen. But that way you have a clear direction, a clear line of sight of where you want to be. And it's so much easier to find the satisfaction in that space because you know you're getting what you need out of it. I love that. Well, Kendall, I really appreciate your time today. You are so knowledgeable about these things. And like, (laughs) I feel like your experience is just so electric. Thank you so much for having me. This was an awesome conversation and I'm always happy to help. If there are two things you get from this conversation, one, document everything. Two, Do not underestimate the power you actually have in the workplace. And I don't mean to sound super aggro or like make it more than what it is. Like, quite frankly, work is only a part of who I am. But when you're doing your part and showing up and telling people about it, it makes a big difference. I'm a huge advocate of being yourself in whatever space you're in. And so while it might seem like it's impossible to be who you are at work, I encourage you to find a way to create space around yourself and make sure that people around you see you. Be authentic to who you are at work. Know that not everyone has to know the fullness of who you are. But when you're doing good work, make sure you get noticed. You deserve it. Not because we need all the attention, but because the reality is without getting noticed, you're not going anywhere. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being with me today. It means the absolute world that you would spend time listening to this podcast. Share this podcast with anyone who you think could benefit from the message of not settling for fine anymore. Share it with your sister, your cousin, your friends, your mom, your dog, your partner. I don't care. I would love to get the word out about why we don't have to settle for fine anymore. I can't wait to see you again next week. Talk soon.